0: Good morning everyone. Um, can everybody hear me okay? I assume. Uh, my name is Wes Shepherd. for those that don't know me. Um, my wife, Michelle, ran away and my two little girls in the back. Um, just a little bit about a history about us. We are not um, like lifer in the wells, right? We are first generation wells. Sixteen years ago, um we became, I'll talk about this a little bit later, we became shoppers in uh in the what we they would coin shoppers today for looking for a church right and there's a reason why i'm going to bring that up is because culture 16 years ago is different than culture that we have today so when we work through this 16 years ago so we also have a little bit different perspective so when i'm going to talk about the leadership conference it's for me or for us if we get to go back as a family the next time god willing I get to go back and see former pastors because we've been at three congregations in Tennessee, Texas, and Ohio. So we get to go see former vicars. We get to go see former members and things like that. It is something that I would encourage anybody, even if you've only had roots here, if you have an opportunity to go to the leadership conference, I would encourage it. It is well worth every minute, every day, every mile to get there. The one thing that stuck out to me was in 2020... I had the chance to go and there was 800 people there we actually kind of outgrew the space and we had extra chairs and stuff like that to set up this time three years later there were 1300 people there and what was cool about it was it was almost 50 50 split down the middle between called workers and lay people for lay folks to be there to be able to be part of it and to witness you know all of you know professors giving all these plenary sessions and you can see by the numbers obviously you get to see a little bit about how my brain works these were notes for myself i didn't mean for them to all be published for everybody but <laughs> <laughs> but this was what i didn't what i didn't want to do was regurgitate all the information like from slides and everything that i got to be a part of most of this information is available to everybody. If you have interest in a certain thing, um, I know myself and Pastor, since I was there, I get the emails on updates on when they publish certain things, when they publish um, any of the PowerPoints or anything that took place during the conference. So if, we have, if you have an interest, please reach out to me or reach out to Pastor, and we'll be sure to try to get that um, to you, so when we got there, if anyone has ever been in worship with 1,300 people, and um, I don't want to call it a band because, and it's not an orchestra, it was a ensemble, it was whatever. When you get there with 1,300 people singing. With live music, it makes the hair stand up on your. It did for me. It is one of those things to be able to experience because we we have an awesome facility and we have awesome people here to worship with. But when you get to do it with 1,300 people, there's a whole different. It's a whole different ball game. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. And emotions aren't my great thing, but it is emotional. Like on the last day, for example, um, I walked in and we had a closing devotion, and they uh, the. I'm going to call them a band. The band was practicing, and they were singing or practicing I Love to Tell the Story. And that was one of my mom's absolute favorites. And I was like, oh, man, i got to prepare myself because we're going to sing this, and I have to hold it together. So I got there. I made it through the first sentence, and I just had to put my head down and had to just yep. like kind of soak it all in. So yep. Yep. Just, just for that alone, and I think even uh, Pastor... Who ran it? Yes. No. no, no. The MC. I can't think of his name. Anyway, he posted on Facebook that we were on the second floor through two sets of closed doors, and they could still hear us singing in the lobby of the hotel. And there were actually people would open the doors to actually come in and see like what we were what we were doing. So, and if like I said, if you ever have an opportunity to do it, and I, people don't be scared. I was like. With everybody there, 50, 50, 50 lay folks versus called workers, and the called workers are um, pastors, um, staff, ministers, and teachers as well that were all there and representatives So, I selfishly I got to see what two former pastors, four former vicars preschool teacher and then other families from other things. So it's, it's uh, selfishly I like that part too, to be able to reconnect, reconnect with those folks. Um, you see my first typo is I said two overarching themes throughout, there's actually three I have listed. So the changing cult, or, uh, social, soul, societal culture, and that's I'm going to get to that a little bit later. And then the other thing is talking about leadership. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody sees these traits that leaders have, but God even says in Romans that we all have different gifts. It's like I may see somebody that has this gift to evangelize, and I focus on I would love to have that gift. I would love to have that ability, but then I disregard the gifts that God has given me to do. Other things in other areas. So um, I'm just going to read through that real quick from Romans 12. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully and one of so the way it is broken out there are five plenary sessions if i say that right um where all 1300 people come together and they're inside and you get to do the sessions with i think there yeah, four or five of them there were some on um monday and then some on thursday or no wednesday excuse me and then there's you can tell by the numbers on the other ones there were breakout sessions where you got to choose certain sessions, and these were the sessions that I went to, the ones that are numbered like 7, 21, 22. It went all the way up higher than 40, where you got to choose five breakout sessions where you got to go sit in and speak with people in a more, I don't know, 20 to 30 people in a more intimate setting. So they broke all of that up, so you got to choose those. And every a lot of the things we talked about was talking about the changing culture um, the gifts that we are given in friendship evangelism, right? So one of the, the plenary sessions that uh, really stuck out to me was when Reverend uh, Professor Luke Thompson was speaking about um, young adults. And he used this term all the way down on page one. They're looking, and he had a slide. It had a house on it, and he had a picture of a brain, and then he had a picture of a heart, and he goes, young adults are looking for a home for their heads and for their hearts. Because of many, a lot of the doubts that people have, factual doubts, but 80% of doubts are emotional doubts. And if you don't have the ability to talk through those emotional doubts with those young, younger adults, then we're missing out on that ability. And so when Pastor had his exercise, when we have friendly and family and loving Those type of things, that is something like our society is looking for uh, greatly right now, to be able to have a place for that. He said on point two, he was making a point that um, churches today can be seen as they're exclusive in an increasingly inclusive world. Everybody is included in everything, and if they view the church as being exclusive. So one of the things that they worked on, they were in Mississauga, I believe. Ottawa, okay, they were in Ottawa, but they were talking about, they opened their home, right? The first thing he said was opening your home, and they were opening their home to um, uh, college-age kids to come in and have a place away from home to do uh, book studies, to do movie reviews, all of this kind of stuff, because he goes, he kept saying, if people keep saying you're exclusive, but your doors are open... It's really hard to have an argument that you're being exclusive if I can walk through your front door and sit on your couch, right? That was his take on it. And the other thing was not all of their literary works were... You know, Christian base. they did some of the classics and some of the classic books because that offers up the ability to talk about because if we close everything down then you have to be friends first you have to walk through that and you have to be friends first so he was talking about he also had a, one in there he said if you have a classic book and you don't like the classic book then you know that it's on you because it's a classic book He goes, you don't have to be upset about the literary work because it's been deemed a classic so that's on you. So, and that one of the, he kept going through all of that, talking about uh, um, the being exclusive. So, I'm going to jump off, like I said, I don't want to keep regurgitating what I put on, I guess, what they put on, but I did want to talk through in, on page two, item number seven. So, this this one was interesting to me because we as a congregation now, Would have been, you know, we have now three congregations that have all come together, right? And this was, this session would have been kind of, I don't know, pre-all coming together. It would be, it was really suited for a congregation, you know, that was struggling or congregations that were struggling. And these two numbers, I about fell out of my chair when I read this. Item number one, one church closes every 90 seconds in the United States, And then one Wells Church closes every seven weeks in the United States or in the world. So that is not to be alarming by any means, but there are a lot of churches that are going through this struggle. And the one thing that we kept talking about in that that session, this was one of our breakout sessions, so we could ask a, a few more questions, was that church didn't fail. That church that closed didn't fail. It was not a death of a church to go through all of that. It's very sensitive because people are, people do have memories of marriage, baptism, like all of the things go on in that congregation. And just they said, just imagine the people that are going to be in heaven that had walked through that church's door. This is not a death of a church, but the bigger goal here on earth is the, I guess the the goal of the church is to spread the gospel. And if God has done everything he could in that facility, at that church, and then you have to make the very difficult decision to put resources together to continue to spread the gospel. This was a very sensitive conversation or or session for me because of everything that we have going on in the greater Toledo area. And I just I I maybe wasn't as well versed in the emotional side of it, you know, cause resurrection was the church that we were attending and then the emotions that people were going through, you know, from Hosanna and from Zion. So I'm sorry for not being more prepared for that, to be honest. So, uh, but I, it's one of those things where they kept coming back to what is the goal of the church? What is the goal of the church is to spread the gospel. And if, I was insensitive in any way or anything like that. I'm trying to do better with what you have learned. But I never thought about some of those things, right? So my hat's off to all of you for coming together in this congregation because I see bits and pieces of both congregations here, which is awesome. Because Michelle and I, we're a little bit, I don't want to say we're different, but we've had the opportunity when we moved back to Ohio we have a, a we knew we were going to have a 50 mile drive so we actually attended all the churches in the area and then we settled on resurrection so we have experience with zion with hosanna with seven seven other churches within 50 miles so we went to those churches so we don't we didn't know that congregation intimately But I can tell you right now, I can see each congregation in this congregation now because we had the opportunity to be there even for a short period of time. So the other thing is um, they talked about getting, I guess, getting how society has changed. So point three on page two, they talked about these are the groups that people are in. They have the shopper. They have the disengaged, uh, people that have been in church before but, you know, aren't in church for some reason. Then they have the turned off. They had a bad experience, right? The happy humanist, they have a great life. Everything's going well, but they don't attribute any of that to faith or God's blessings in their life. They're happy with how the world is treating them. And then E is the assailant. They actually attack the church and then the unexposed. So the reason I brought up Michelle and I as shoppers 16 years ago, this used to be the highest percentage was the shopper and the disengaged. This, it's completely flipped around now. Like there aren't people looking for churches right now. There aren't people, because Michelle and I made a decision, we were getting married and we wanted to have our, we wanted to be in church and we were, so we shopped and we walked into One Wells Church and 16 years later, we're still in the wells, so that it was perfect timing for us it was the right culture it was the right pastor it was the word of god in our hearts because we knew we wanted more and i'm just saying that because there's not as many shoppers out there anymore there's not as many disengaged anymore and that's where everything comes down to um, like friendship evangelism being a friend first uh, one point that uh, the pastor made in that the peak of Christianity in the United States was in the 60s. I didn't realize this. I should probably should know this in history. But In God, We Trust came in the 60s to put on our money. And then the Pledge of Allegiance would have been in the 60s as well. Those things that made culture, I don't want to say around church, but we actually had it in front of us like daily. It was part of our culture. Because I remember, I don't know, when Michelle and I were living, when we lived in Tennessee, I remember we weren't in church at the time, but there was, you know, Sunday, there was, we grew up in church, though. I grew up Lutheran, Michelle grew up Catholic. We were in church, but we had fallen away from church, but there was always something, like, tugging at us a little bit more. And I don't think people have that tug anymore to be in church. Um... On item number twenty-one, this was a neat um, session because uh, Chip Woods—he's a layperson. Um, he has thirty years in the space and industry, and he works uh, currently works for Lockheed Martin. But he was talking through um, how, kind of like Pastor has on the front of the the upside down on the front of the bulletin, the upside, how things are upside down with Jesus in the corporate world. You have goals, you have margins, you have the bottom line, you have all of those things to work through for success, right? But in in church, there's not really you're doing. The success is measured on are you doing all that you can be doing to with the Word of God to reach out to others. It's not black and white like in a corporation, so it can be very difficult. So I enjoyed uh, Chip's session. He is obviously all of the. Presentation. All the folks doing the presentations are Wells members, but they, they could be lay people, you know, in their congregations. I liked his comment on committees. Do not make decisions. People do. Do not form a committee to make a decision. People make people make decisions. So don't form a committee because then you more than likely aren't going to get a decision out, what, out of what you're trying to do. Um, number twenty two. The session number 22, I appreciated this one because it was kind of speaking through um, – it, it's another culture thing. This one is another culture thing that was related to um, how, how to reach people. And most mostly this was targeted towards young adults. It says most young adults don't just want more done for them. They want to do more for others. They desire to be involved in ministries that reach out to the community and to the world. They want to be in churches that will take faith risk and get them involved in real life changing ministries. They are loyal to institutions that are making a difference and institutions where they can make a difference. So this was, for me, as I was reading through this, I was like, people are going to be committed to something. So if we can help them or to see that the church can be committed to those changing things, to um, environment things, things like that. If I skip down to number four, or excuse me, number three on this one, this one kind of caught me off. I don't want to say caught me off guard, but it definitely stuck with me. The concept of the church um, has always been what do we need to do to get all of those people out there in here? Like, how do we get them and get them in here? And now it's now that we have our called workers and we have Bible studies and we're in God's word. It's like, how do we get all of these people out there, out into the world so that you can actually do that friendship evangelism? It starts with one. If, if I could recommend one thing, and this was actually from 2020. Uh, uh, Pastor David Rosenau did a. Uh, a session. He was one of the plenary speakers in 2020, but he is a second career pastor. That um, he gave his basically told about his life and how God God called him to be a pastor and went through the Wells training and everything. And it's his everything is one by one, one by one. Like how did you you don't get to meet the person in bed A. If you're not visiting the person in bed 1B or 1A or 1B, it's like you don't get to have that personal connection with those people. So it's – it. yeah, I can send out the link to anybody that wants it. I still listen to it every once in a while. He's the – it's very – I don't know. He's incredibly humble. He just works really hard for Jesus, and that sounds really corny, but it's exactly what he does. Um. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So the other thing that they, they talked about was, in most senses, when you're partnering, uh, more than likely, if you would want to partner and go out into the community and do something, one thing that the secular community is good about, they're good about planning, they're good about you know covering some of the cost and advertising, but they're starving for volunteers. That's where a lot of times uh, they have. They need help, and then that's where we can step in as a church to be able – because the idea is to be able to go out and reach the unchurched. So if you're working with a secular – like a secular uh, um, nonprofit, then we are – then we would be the representative church for that Secular nonprofit, and then we would have. Not only are you reaching the people that are you're helping, you're also working with the workers, right? If the workers are unchurched, so you have an opportunity in all those areas to be to evangelize as friends. The neat one that they had for canvassing, most canvassing that people hear canvassing, they hear going door to door, knocking on doors, asking if folks have churches. There, I. This was a neat idea that I thought was if they go around, they did a food drive canvassing. One weekend, they would set out and they would have bags that were labeled like what they were doing, uh, their uh, church name, everything. And we'll be back in a week to pick up this bag. So if you want to donate anything, uh, we'll be back. You don't have to do anything other than put the food in the bag. And then a week later, they get to pick up the bag. So there's the second time they get to be at someone's house to be able to talk to them. And they said a lot of times people would have the bag. They'd either set it on the porch or if they showed up, like with the shirt, the shirt that matched Whatever was on the bag, they'd be like, oh, I have to run to the pantry to go put something in the bag. And then the third one was if they did offer uh, something, they would send a thank you note. So there was three opportunities to talk to to that household, you know, about their church and just to find if they were unchurched and then have an opportunity to worship if, you know, they were unchurched. Let's see. So 27, this one is also my thought here. But this one, the the presentation was awesome, but his intellectual level was much higher than mine. (laughs) I could understand everything that he was saying in the session, so I have to go back and read, like go back through his, everything that he was doing so I can understand it more. So I'm not going to stand up here and act like I can, I truly understand everything that, that Caleb was saying because that'd be a lie. (laughs) <laughs> um, the one thing that he did talk about I think it was him Some of them are running together They had a concept where Especially with COVID Where everybody started doing things online And we doing doing worship online And things like that And the, the concept was Why would we spend millions To reach thousands When we can spend thousands to reach millions And the concept is we spend millions because we get to stand in a facility like this we get to have fellowship i don't know how, I still haven't figured out communion online yet how do you how do you do that so no I don't, I don't I don't know so don't, that is I guess that's one of the things that kind of stuck in my head that because number 27 that, or Caleb always pointed out that it's not just true, right? You could put something true. You could have all the sermons online. You could cut your budget down to whatever, and then you could reach a million people because all they had to do is click a button and turn it on. When in actuality, this is the church, right? This is the church, a body of believers together for support, for fellowship, for communion, the means of grace. So that's, that may be a very secular way of looking at something. Why would we spend millions to reach thousands when we can spend thousands to reach millions? And, that, and I think right now, Pastor, can attest to this. That's a struggle right now for all churches is getting people back into the doors after they found it so nice to, to turn on a TV. I was like, because we, we woke up during the COVID and it was like, yeah, we would, we'd watch it on TV, but it wasn't the same, right? And then fourth one, this one was kind of, or number 40, this one was, I don't want to say selfish on my part, but uh, Pastor Chuck Westra, he was our, he was the one, the pastor that introduced Michelle and I to Wells. He took us through BIC, married us, baptized our babies. So I was going to go see Pastor Westra, <laughs> and, and oddly enough, or awesome enough, uh, John Fowler was our president when we were there 16 years ago, and he's still the, the church body president. So I got to have dinner with them and sat down with them and actually went to their presentation to heckle a little bit and just, just to see them. And also I watched them work together for a number of years and appreciated how they did work together. Talking about, you know, there's so many gifts inside of a congregation, you know, that and then for us to recognize that and to put some of that time in. And then John would say, also remember that these lay people that are on council still have a 40 hour week job or more and still have other commitments outside of this. So there is some give and take around, um, like, the lay person and the council and things like that and then the called workers.